Hi, this is Brendan Davis from Bedrock Games and the Bedrock Blog, and today we're going to talk about Cheng Che's Venom Mob classic, The Crippled Avengers, also known as Return of the Five Deadly Venoms sometimes. Uh, in this movie, when the great hero Tu Tin To's wife is killed and his son maimed by rivals, he grows bitter and vents his hostility on any who stand in his way by crippling them. He fits his son with specially made iron hands to replace those he lost and unleashes him on the martial world. A group of men are crippled by them and find a master who rears them back to health so justice can prevail. So that's a quick synopsis, obviously, but that sort of gives you the basics. Uh, let's, uh, let's start with, uh, with you, Lady Chaofeng. What did you think of, um, uh, of this movie? I like this movie. It's one of my favorites, obviously, being that I'm a Venom Mob girl. <laughs> but um, I really love the action in this one. I love that Chen Quan Tai is in it. Um, I love the costuming. And I just love the whole the story of it. So it's one of my favorites. It's one of my top fives. And, I, and, I, and I'm going to give us a special segment just to talk about the costumes on this one. But... Um, hmm. Uh, Adam, what do you think? Uh, I agree. This is fantastic. I mean, this is just when you sit down and want to watch a martial arts movie. This has, you know, everything, everything I could possibly want in it. it uh, yeah, it's just it's just fantastic fights and choreography and entertaining characters and really over the top villain. It's uh, yeah, it's just perfect. And, and obviously I agree. I, I think this is, is possibly better than the five deadly venoms. Um, mm -hmm. just, just for me, it just, it had the, the action is so graceful and it's like they unleash all of the talent of the venom mob here. And, and the, the story too, I really like, I, I enjoy, you guys know, I like stories where, where people are maimed and sort of overcome that. <laughs> and so, so this is like, you know, you get, this is like the full, you know, everybody's maimed. It's, it's, it, 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 it's, it's risky too, because that could become so ridiculous. And in some respects it sort of does, but it somehow works. And, and I think that the, again, the music, the music selection that is, is played throughout the film is really effective at at bringing everything together so i i think this is a, a really great great movie um so so i don't know so uh i i guess just going over uh some of the topics here uh what what did uh what did everybody think about that opening scene where the wife and the son are maimed it really kind of gets the ball of the plot rolling i thought it was a good way to start the movie off i mean Unfortunately, you have three guys that come in that are wanting to teach the master of the manor a lesson, but he's not home. So they decide to take it out on a poor, innocent woman and um, the child. And I was glad that um, two actually came home at the very end of the maiming instead of having to wait like a couple of days to find out i'm glad he came home right away but i thought it was a great interesting way to open the movie yeah it's almost kind of interesting interesting misdirect because from the title you're like oh someone's going to get crippled and they're going to become an avenger i'm like wow this kid's going to grow up and he's going to get revenge it's like no he's going to grow up and he's going to be this big jerk that goes around <laughs> maiming people so i i got completely the wrong idea from that scene but in an entertaining fashion i, I had the same reaction to it and again, this is the great thing about this movie. Everybody's crippled. Even 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 <laughs> yeah. the Chen Quan Tai character is 
you know, like like the the the, the other master sort of mentions, he's sort of like morally or mentally crippled. There's something defective about the way he thinks that causes him to be so evil. So like every character of note in the movie, including the 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 son who's one of the bad guys, and introduced in the opening is crippled. And I I I, I like that scene too because my my it seems like uh, Two Tin Toe is is a is possibly a good guy at the start of the movie and and this is what really just sort of drives him over the edge and and he beca- and he starts just starting to cripple the world um but it's also interesting to me because he does it, one of the things that he doesn't allow his son to do so in the aftermath of this he 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 hires a blacksmith to to make special gloves for his son who, who's played by Lu Feng and and he gets these really incredible gloves that are that are just like master weapons. They're, they're, they make they make him into like a really fierce villain, and he uh, uh, he he. But he's constantly telling him like, "Don't kill anybody. Just just cripple them." He so there's and it's and it's odd because it's almost it's almost a little bit merciful. Like it's a uh, like there's a there's like a little he he because there are times where he's like, "Oh no no don't don't worry about killing him. Just just break his legs or just do that to him," and and so yeah, I don't know. I I I. Uh, I like that scene, and I like how it sort of sets the stage for this this crippling villain. Um, but yeah, any any other thoughts on that? Or well, I thought that um, the actual actually the crippling was more um, horrifying than the actually killing, because then now these people have to live the rest of their lives crippled, and you know society, especially back then, um, frowned upon crippled people, so they're not going to have. Um, a way to take care of themselves, especially if they were like single or unmarried or whatever. Um, but yeah, so I thought that was even more cruel to actually cripple them because now they have to figure out how to live this way. But I thought that um, the the crippling, I guess, because he told his son that you couldn't cripple them because you were crippled. Mm-hmm. by the tigers and so um i thought that just meant that he shouldn't but in reality um too really if he had gotten his hands on people he just would have straight out killed them well, so i guess he people. didn't want right he didn't want um his son i guess to be as evil as him i don't know but um with just crippling but i think <laughs> the crippling was more cruel <laughs> And he's yeah. doing a bang-up job. Just, uh... <laughs> yeah, he wins Father of the Year for, yeah. for real. Well, what yeah, I was, was thinking of in my head was how you could sort of do the thing. Have you ever seen the, uh, what is it, the, the Joey Lawrence story? Is that, what's, I'm, I think I got the name wrong. The, 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 the bad guy from Karate Kid, what was the character's name? Is it oh. Johnny Lawrence? Is that his name, Johnny Lawrence? Yeah. There's, there's like yeah. a version of his story on YouTube that's like, karate kid from his point of view and i was thinking you could do this whole movie from the point of view of of of, of the chen kwan tai character where he's um where, where he's uh you know just trying to look out for his son and and all he wants is that you know just to do enjoy his birthday and and, and you know, they, <laughs> so you know but yeah he's definitely definitely not going to win father of the year anytime soon um no no well exactly you know and i mean the as it being 
you know, merciful and stuff. So many of the times they, they did this, it was just so out of proportion. Like, you know, the one guy in, in the end just makes one comment, oh, I, I kind of like that guy, like, blind him, you know? It's, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was just, there's no proportion to this at all. Well, And then he really would rub salt in the wound. So he like, uh, you know, the, the, the low moon character, he, he invites him over for wine to get rid of his... Uh, you know, because he basically doesn't like the guy talks back all the time, so he takes away his voice. And then when he persists and like you know writes his 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 diatribes on the table, he 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 says, "Okay, well now you're going to be deaf too." And he smashes his ear. Boom. And then yeah. uh, and then he tries to take his livelihood away by telling everybody in town they can't go to this guy for their blacksmithing. So you know he's pretty thorough in 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 grinding people into the ground. Um, yeah. My only um, problem with that scene was why would you tell him that there's something in the wine that'll make you go um, <laughs> dumb? I mean, if you're going to be truly evil, just say, I want to have a drink with you and make amends. And then I, I think it was pretty clear he wasn't going to drink it anyway. He was looking at it going, well, yeah, what's true. in that? So I, I, I think he was just like, like eh, it, yeah, it's poison. What are you going to do about it? We're going to make you drink it. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, what did you think of the, of the scene where he became deaf and there was like no sound for a good 20 or that 30 seconds? That was awesome. Yeah. I thought that was awesome how they did that because usually when you have film, films and someone goes is deaf or goes deaf, they usually keep the sound in. But I thought that that was a unique perspective to not have the sound there, which made you actually feel more for the character, feel more sympathy for him that he couldn't here anymore so I, I really enjoyed that part i thought that was great yeah it made the it made the crowd of people around him very unnerving too just the whole scene was was really uncomfortable and it just felt particularly well done the way they did it Every, anytime they did that i found it pretty effective um mm -hmm. they did it they did it in smaller snippets of time but they did it a, mm -hmm. i think two or three more times after that throughout the movie and and i always found it pretty effective um, but, uh, but yeah, so I don't know, uh, now overall, what did everybody think of the fight scenes and the, and the, uh, acrobatics? Uh, it was fantastic. I mean, especially the, the final scene, it just, I mean, it's been good the whole movie and then you get to the final scene and they just really bring it out there. <laughs> yeah. I, I was very impressed. And, and I think it was a great. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Uh, I was, I interrupted you. That's okay. I thought it was a great showcase for their acrobatic skills with all the flipping and the tumbling um, with uh, Kuo Choi, Lu Feng, and um, Cheng Sheng. I thought, you know, the three of them work so well together. And you can see from their final fight scene together why they stood out amongst the um, Venoms, why that they were the core crew of the group you can actually see their timing is perfect um it's just amazing to watch them and usually they didn't have to do a lot of takes and there wasn't a lot of cut and splicing with them because their timing was so perfect that they could just do things that no one else could do and, and that comes from their opera training. Yeah, you definitely see that 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 opera style acrobatics there, and the and 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 they make it look so easy. Do you know what I mean? It's like it's. I mean, the, the only comparable performer really, I think, 
in my mind is like Jackie Chan. You know, like you get that like that level where yeah. it just looks like it's just second nature on screen. And and I think that uh, um, it, I don't know. It just to me is uh, this is this movie gets like the best of them on screen, and it's also tightly done. Like even even like the you know like the training montage scene where where you know he's hitting the um, where he's hitting the heavy bags. Just like even some of the simple stuff. That you know, it, it doesn't look too complicated, but there's still like an organization to the choreography going on. Uh, it's just perfect, and so yeah. And, and the fight scenes are, you know, my favorite is when um, uh, Gao Feng gets the iron foot in the chest. That's my uh, my personal <laughs> favorite moment. Um, and I like the line where because uh, so 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 you know all the characters are crippled, and 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 one of them starts out kind of intelligent and and so uh the 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 villains like put this crank on his head and basically turn him into an idiot and and during uh the confrontation with with gao fung they um they uh uh that guy warns them about the the guy who had his uh what was um uh the the kicky guy's name um sun chen's character yeah uh Akui was that his name? Who Akui? Uh, he has his legs chopped off, and uh, and and the and the idiot warns the guy that he's got these iron feet, and he says, "Oh, these uh, uh, these fancy, <laughs> fancy names. names. Yeah, most of the time they don't mean anything. So he just he doesn't think it's literal. He thinks it's like a just like what he calls his kicks, and then he kicks him in the chest and kills him. So uh, yeah." I, I really enjoyed that. You know, your uh your the Ogre Gate in book you did recently, you've got that appendix on there all about nicknames. And that was one of my favorite parts of the book, so I was just thinking about that when uh when that came up in the movie. <laughs> but uh but yeah, and and, and Sun and, and Sun Chin's kicks were 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 brilliant and they you know, I, I have a kicking background, so you know, there's 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 not that many performers that really get that that high level of kicking, like him and Angela Mao. Are like the two that really leap to mind when you're when you're looking for that 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 really great kicking style. Um, did he have a background in Taekwondo, or is it just? Yes, he just... he's a Taekwondo master. Okay, okay, because it definitely looks more on the Taekwondo end. Um, yeah, but uh, but yeah. So what about uh, one of the things that also I thought stood out was uh, uh, Chang Sheng's sword play. Uh, early on before he becomes an idiot he does a lot he does this sword play scene where the uh um uh what's his name keeper Wan, the uh the john mm -hmm. wayne character he's um uh he's fighting with a meteor hammer and and he has a sword and i thought i thought that sword play looked beautiful it was uh it was really really well done in my opinion um but uh but yeah so I don't know, any other thoughts on the on the on the fight scenes or the choreography I just think that they're so great and you get to see so many different styles um, in the fight scenes with the sword play and you get the tiger style from um, Chen Quan Tai and um, Lu Feng and just my favorite, I guess, fight scene is the end fight scene with um, Kuo Choi, Cheng Sheng and um, Lu Feng and I like to play with the rings. Adam, your ring is back. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I just love the whole 
comedic kind of routine that was with the whole um, ring play with them. Like, one knew that they were playing, one was annoyed, and the other one is just using it to his advantage so he can um, kill the other. So, I mean, I thought that the, it was so cool. And it seems that when um, Cheng Che um, makes these movies, that if you see something in a previous film, it's going to come back in some other kind of way. Yeah. So the um, rings, um, we're, we've seen the ring in... Um, would come later in um, Heaven and Hell and a couple other films that the guys have done together. So the ring kind of makes its way around. Like, it shows up in Masked Avengers. Cheng Sheng also uses a, a, a ring in that movie also. He wears it as a belt for most of the movie. You don't even know it's there until the very end. So, But yeah, the ring is prominent. I think the ring works too. I mean, I know it's it's like a little bit elaborate, and it's not obvious what the practical effects of it are. But I just think I visually, I love the, I love that they're able to do this stuff, and and so I re, I really enjoyed that. And and I should say we we have Kenny with us. Uh, yeah, Kenny. Kenny. What, hey, what did what did you, what did you think of uh, of this movie, The Crippled Avengers? I will, I really enjoyed it. There was one weird bit at the end, uh, which uh, if we have we have we spoken about the ending yet, or well, just, we not well, moved on? it doesn't matter. You can you can uh, you can say whatever you have to say on it. Like uh, yeah, I I really appreciated the movie. I thought the fight scenes were actually really good, and uh, some of the so, sort of the crippled fighting stuff. I wasn't really sure about how we could get to that level <laughs> of mastery in three years. Um, but the the part that struck, struck up to me at the very end was when they just left. Um, what was his name? Wang, um, the the idiot guy. <laughs> Wang Yi. Wang Yi. They just left him on the floor and then just walked out of the. the yeah, that's right. yeah, that's right. And the real insult to that was was they took the time when Gao Feng, their enemy, was killed to let the guys take his body out, but but they couldn't even. They just kind of walked right past their own friend. So I don't know. The I, did anybody have any thoughts? Did they think were we supposed to notice that, or was that just the expediency of having to end the movie and have the walkout look clean? Um, uh, yeah, I think maybe they just wanted to be kind of an uplifting ending. So having the three of them just kind of go out there with pep and music <laughs> was a more uplifting ending than them carrying out a corpse or something. I don't know. But it's it funny been you can actually see. Like uh, there's like a very long camera shot to at the very end, so you see them walking through the sort of um, the, the the reception and then to, through the courtyard, and you can see Wang Yi's corpse just lying there. <laughs> it's it's really notice. It's really hard not to pick up on that, and and yeah. also it's 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 even worse because because Wang Yi's death is pretty tragic when it happens. Like he's he's an idiot. And he just he he barely even realizes that he's in a fight. You know, he, he to him this is all kind of a game. It looks like. And he doesn't even seem to know that he's been he's been mortally wounded by these gloves. He just says, "Oh, he hurt me really bad," and then he and then he drops dead. And uh, yeah. it's I mean, he's he even probably... tasted. Oh, go ahead. I was like, he even tasted his own blood, like he was tasting ketchup. <laughs> yeah. You know, so it was like the whole thing was kind of surreal. He didn't even, he didn't even know he was playing. Like it was real, like you said. He he thought he was playing a game with. Um, quote choice character because that was his favorite one to play with when they were training you know with the rings he always had a good time with him so he just thought he was having a, a ball with another friend 
to join in, you know? Yeah, no, because even, because every, the whole fight to him just looked like a big, you know, he was just dancing on the drums and doing all this stuff and not taking anything seriously. I thought he was, like, if they were going to kill anybody, he was the one if they wanted that emotional impact. Um, Mm -hmm. I thought that that, that something about killing that character who's so jubilant the whole time seemed particularly egregious to me. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so, uh, uh, I guess, uh, you know, moving on to, to, to something else, uh, that I, this, this movie, it's, it's called the crippled Avengers, but it's often, it sometimes gets sold as return of the five deadly venoms. Um, and since, since, you know, it's not a sequel, but a lot of people either think of it as a sequel or at least a cast sequel, uh, how, how would you compare this to the five deadly venoms? I, uh, I I think this worked better for me from the standpoint that you get more of kind of a, a camaraderie of characters and so on. Because in Five Deadly Venoms, the characters are largely split up for a lot of the movie or in pairs or whatever. And I, I think part of the reason this works better is just you've got, you know, a group of characters all working together and inter- interacting and they've got a really strong chemistry going in this one. And I think I'd agree with that because... You know, you get to see these people get together for the first time. Like they started out as strangers at the beginning of the movie, and um, you know, through the event, through, through the actions of um, oh god, what was his name? Uh, the uh, Dao Dao Tiandu. Um, you know, um, yeah, it, through through the crip through their crippling and through the sort of abuse that that guy has heaped on them, they were brought together and eventually, you know, they need um, to find the master and that's like sort of their journey, and you you with them every step of the way. But with it, for the five venoms, it's not, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, you, there's a little bit of that I'd say, you know, but. The, a lot of them are already established as characters of their own sort of mastery and you know what to expect from them and it, it, it's less of a, a, a sort of eye-opening type of thing for me I'd say I actually have um, Crippled Avengers ranked higher in my Venoms list because I think that the five Deadly Venoms is actually more story heavy Mm-hmm. And it's a slower pace, and it doesn't sh- truly showcase what the gentlemen are capable of. I mean, you get glimpses of their brilliancy, but it's not all the way carried through like it is in um, Crippled Avengers. And I just think that the fight scenes were better in that it showcased more of their actual athletic ability than the other movie did so i like this one better yeah i I think five deadly venoms is very restrained compared to this one in that respect because in in this one they really are like you can see everything they can do and and in that one you might not get the full sense of it until you until you see some of the later movies so um so yeah i would and i I think i think it's an interesting test too because i think if somebody uh is more there for the story they might be more partial to, to, to Five Deadly Venoms. But I have to admit, one of my main reasons for watching these kind of movies is the action. And so this this is just filled with great action sequences. And it, and it, and it never really lets up. It's kind of like, uh, like, like, like Raiders of the Lost Ark, the way that that's just this relentless sort of, you know, you know just, just this relentless ride. This is that way with fight scenes, I think. Um, yeah, I, I totally agree with that. I just think that 
the five deadly venoms did its purpose was to introduce the six of them, if you want to um, include a way pie as a new ensemble that was being used, but putting them to the forefront. So the story was developed stronger in that one. So it definitely introduced the world to them and, you know, set the world on fire. But this one takes it, um, takes it up a notch. Hmm. And, uh, and I feel like um, in Crippled Adventures as well, there's a, a, a sort of a plus for me is how the whole world is keeps moving, even when there's sort of a training arc type of thing. Like, you really get a sense that time is slowing. I mean, uh, we've got um, um, Tendu just hiring more henchmen type of things. And, uh, you, yeah, there's all sorts of little things going on that makes it seem like it's not just sort of that they're, they're not the villains haven't just stagnated and uh, not doing anything. They're, they've got plans that are developing, you know, even while the heroes are sort of training. And we didn't really get to see that in uh, Venoms, in the Five Deadly Venoms, I thought. Yeah, that's a good point. Cause, I mean, you've got the villain with his throwing his big birthday party because he wants to become the head of the clans and stuff. That's that's really totally irrelevant to the hero's plot. He's just got this other thing going on that's unconnected to them going on in the background. But one of the good things about that is how it drives the Keeper Wan character to... So the whole... When the, when the, when the crippled Avengers arrive and Keeper Wan's mm-hmm. like, oh, I gotta deal with this now. He's like, well, yeah. I, don't want to dis- I don't want to disturb the boss, so I'm just gonna try to keep this in the down low and 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 just deal with it and you know uh, quietly. And he's clear he's unable to do that. Uh, uh, the the boss's friend Gao Feng gets killed in the process, and then he he has to. Uh, so so the birthday. I, I think this was a really cool plot function. Uh, oh, it does. I, I didn't. Oh, yeah. you know, I didn't even know it was a bad thing. I spent that it's it's it, it it is interesting that there are other wheels turning in mm. there. You know, I mean, like Kenny says, it's just it's a larger world going on. Well, and also like you like like you mentioned, Kenny, they they spend three years training, and 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 obviously, you know, you didn't you didn't feel that was enough. But uh, but one of the one of the good things about the three years is that uh, at least it was three years, whereas a lot of movies might even just gloss <laughs> over completely. Said, oh, you lost your arm. Okay, a month recouping and then and then you're 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 back you're back in action so i i did like that they that the minimum was three like it was at least three years of training um which is which is at least for training and like to to build somebody into a fighter or something that seems fairly reasonable um i mean and and they all seem to be you know or maybe it's just the actors but they 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 were portrayed as being sort of strapping young men at the beginning of the movie already mm -hmm. and yeah they weren't sort of past the prime for practicing martial arts so i to some degree i could accept if they were whole they would be able to train (laughs) up to that degree of mastery in three years but you want to tell me that the first time um what was the blind guy's name um well, oh, the hawker, the, the Philip Kwok yeah, character, Chen Shun. Yeah, Chen Shun. Yeah. Yeah, like, like he, he, you're telling me the first time, like he, he's being handed these skewers. He can, cl- he, he can like hear leaves falling from a tree and just like perfectly <laughs> pierce everything. He was a hawker. <laughs> well, well, where is I his think, basis for being able to do that? I, I, I think that the the. The uh, the Aqui and the and the Hawker character are the two that are the hardest to. They have the biggest hurdles, I think, in terms of overcoming mm-hmm. their, uh, you know, in t- for martial arts purposes. Like the idiot guy, his kung fu is fine. He's just kind of an idiot, and 
And, uh, well, he started off as a master, so, I mean, he'd already been training for many years. And, uh, yeah, because he didn't really have anything to, to develop beyond. He, he, in fact, I don't think he really did a whole lot during the training sequences aside from clowning around. And, uh, yeah, that's all he did. And and Lo Mung, you know, I mean, you can you can you can function as a as a fighter without hearing or speaking. I mean, it's not it's not optimal, but there are definitely you know there was a deaf uh, UFC fighter I remember a while back, and you know you know it, it presented some challenges, but it's not like being blind or or having your legs taken off at the knee or something. Um, uh, the, the, those false legs look uh, it's funny because the the false leg situation it's it, it number one it mirrors the 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 low the 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 low fung bad guy with the, uh, mm-hmm. with the with the fake arms but it also it also feels like it's kind of a cheat because he overcomes his his his, his maiming by getting these false limbs so he basically has legs again at the <laughs> legs that are the legs that are you know incredibly damaging it's an upgrade yeah. basically for him he's a cyborg <laughs> he's like a really primitive cyborg <laughs> which is kind of what lo fung is like lo fung's lost his arms but his arms are so awesome yeah. now like he's he's shooting darts out of them and they have these extenders so that if he, you know he's got all these little contraptions in his in his claws um and speaking of um Lofeng's character, like he was either basis of a Tuang from the the River of Soaring Beggars in Wandering Heroes um, campaign. Like, I, th- I yeah. think I think subconsciously, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was a character who had his arms ripped off because he was ripping people's arms off. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, I probably had that on my mind when I when I was doing that one. Um, but uh, but yeah, that's. Well, the other thing, too, about him, what I like is the father is still so sensitive. It's like still a sore spot for him. Like, I think there were like early in the film, right before he blinds Philip Kwok, there are two men in the inn. And I don't know if they were actually making fun of Lo Fung, which seems like a really bad idea in this in this environment. But they did something. And 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 the 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 um, the Black Tiger character, uh, you know, seemed to, to think that they were making fun of his son. So he. He, you know, I think he, I, I, he, he had them uh, beaten or something. So yeah, um, I think it was a bit un- unintentional on their part. So they, they were holding onto their weapons with both hands, and then they looked at <laughs> Lo Feng's character's hands, like, oh, let's put the weapons okay. down, and then they're like, what do we do with our hands now? And <laughs> and I think Black Tiger looked over as they were just looking at their hands, going, what do we do? <laughs> and that, that that resulted in them just getting the crap beaten out. <laughs> but yeah, but I. It- Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was just going to say that that brings up um, kind of a, an issue with me in that with with subs and dubs, I have two different versions of the movie. Mm. And so in one version, um, the guys that were beaten up said, it's our fault. It's our fault. And then in the other version, I think it's the dubbed version. They say, um, damn you to hell. <laughs> Those are two totally different things, with, too. Exactly, which doesn't go with the actions that they're doing, you yeah. know. So it's just kind of like I had a lot of. I watched both versions this week, so it was kind yeah, of that, like that. Okay. Very changes the scene. That's like when that's like the difference between doing the Lord's Prayer and and like reciting like a like a, a, a you know a sutra. You know, it's a it's you know very 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 different meanings. But yeah, I I, I suspect that the subs are correct there. Um, 
because that that seem that makes a lot more sense. Um, exactly. But but I, I, I the Amazon Prime version had them saying "damn you to hell." Yeah. <laughs> and I was just like, hey, I'm, I feel like that's not what they're saying, but <laughs> I don't have any other basis to go on. <laughs> so, but I like how sensitive Tutinto still is to this this maiming of his son. And his son, like, doesn't need any protection. You know, he's he's a bully. He just, they basically wander around town crippling everybody that gets in their way. Um, so, uh, but yeah, so, uh, and earlier, I don't know if you were in on, on this part, Kenny, but we were talking about how you could, you could sort of, you could sort of do a recap of the film that's sort of more sympathetic to Tu Tin Toe, that's sort of like his point of view of, of how he's, uh, of how he's, um, you know. I, I, actually, I actually don't think he was a bad character or that bad of a character uh, that villainous of a character I mm-hmm. should say like he, he didn't kill anyone if anything that the, the main characters of the movie have killed far more than he has from what we've seen right that's why I have a note that says uh, to tin toe the merciful like you know he's, he's, <laughs> he's instructing his son not to not to kill people specifically there's there's a there's a level of restraint there um <laughs> Though he is well, I, mean, he, okay, I think in the them. beginning he did kill the entire um the was the other the, the clan um, of people who offended him the first time around. Oh, the um, Tiananmen Tigers. Yeah, the Tiananmen Tigers. Like it, it, he did slaughter the sect, let the descendants grow up, so that his son could cripple them. So it's a bit cruel on his part, but at the same time, it's justifiable. It teaches his son a valuable lesson that he should. Yeah, you shouldn't rely on your father's name. You should do your own dirty work, kind of thing. Um, yeah, you know, and to be fair, like the the two ten, two, the Tiananmen Tigers killed his wife, right? So he he wasn't. You know, if we talk about being vengeful, like he had every right to be seeking vengeance on them. Um, throughout the movie, you know, people, you know, I, I suppose you could say that he was a bit too touchy, you know, beating up people for um, what perceived mocking of his son. But he just beat them up. I mean, it was it was still within reasonable boundaries, not by modern standards, but in ancient standards. Just beating someone up means you're getting off light, I'd say. <laughs> though, though, the the as they pointed out to me, the eye plucking was pretty instantaneous when uh, when Philip Kwok uh, 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 supported Lo Meng's outburst in the end. But uh, yeah, but yeah, but I, I kind I kind of agree. Like I think there's a certain degree of you know he's. He's trying to restrain his son a little bit. He's 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 giving him, you know, he, and and he just wants to have this birthday party, you know. Um, but <laughs> he's being the nicest villain he can be. Yeah. That's what he's doing. Well, I mean, we had a scene where he was like drinking wine by himself, and yeah, it was like, you know, spitting That's pouring out his heart. Scene. Yeah, I was yeah, just gonna was. say That's those good. are those are some of my favorite scenes as well. Like, he's proud of what his son has made of himself, despite, you know, uh, what has happened to him as a child. And, and, and you know, he, he's, he's happy that his, his son is doing so well, and he's proud of him. And he's like, my son is greater than any man who is whole. And it's like, well, yeah, good on you. I mean, you, you've actually, you know, raised a son, but he might not be raised well in terms of personality or mindset but he had his arms chopped off at six or whatever right so i i, I could forgive him for being a bit twisted and and gal fung seems to like him and he seemed to be a, an upstanding guy so you know um but uh but yeah and you know he's he's if he's guilty of anything he's just an over enthusiastic father i think yeah. um but, but but yeah i don't know uh but uh, Lady Chao Fung, you had mentioned the costumes, so we should, probably should talk about them because this is like 
This is like full Cheng Che costume uh, at its peak, I think. Like this is, uh, there's only a couple of other movies that I think really give this one a run for its money in terms of the costuming. So, I don't know. What what, what sort of thoughts did you guys have on that? <laughs> well, Lo Meng and um, Quo Choi barely have a costume. <laughs> <laughs> they run around half the time with uh, no shirts on. Um, but I... I love a cape. I don't know why I love the cape, but I love uh, Chen Quan Tai and his um, strategically placed gray hair in his wig, how it's striped, <laughs> and um, his his mustache. I just think that he was well done, and his costumes were excellent. I love the cape. But um, everybody else's costumes were pretty cool, too, except for when you get to the birthday party and um, Lu Feng's character is wearing that black and gold. I call it a smoking jacket with no shirt underneath kind of was weird to me. But, you know, but the, the, all the other ones, the last the last outfit that he had. Where he's at the um, he's rising to give a toast to his father at the birthday party and he's got that like gold it's a black oh yeah i see it yeah thing it's sort of like, so like a robe his... with i think it's the same robe as his father actually just uh it, it's just that he's not wearing anything else underneath it <laughs> and it looks weird to me it looks weird but um yeah it reminds me of sort of like um of what emperors would wear kind of thing yeah we've got like the golden uh i'd say stitching of flower patterns or whatever they are and it does look a bit like polka dots from a distance <laughs> black with gold polka dots yeah no, I can't, I but can't... the oh go ahead no go ahead oh, no, go i was gonna ahead. say i was trying i was trying to find that image and i couldn't find it so i I'm not going to comment. It's about like uh, an hour and 24 minutes in or so. All right, I'll find it. Um, uh, oh, yeah, go go on, go on. But um, the fake leather in some of the costumes I think was kind of appropriate since, you know, one of the, one of the characters was a blacksmith and it was just a lot of dark colors that I liked being that, you know, there was so much maiming and crippling going on. But what did everybody else think? I, I have to admit, this time I didn't pay that much attention to the costumes. I just thought everything fit really well. I mean, I feel like everybody was dressed perfectly for the role in the, in the sense that, you know, the, it, it all looked very harmonized in my, in my eyes. Like, it, I didn't think, oh, this guy doesn't look like he would be wearing that. I mean, you're, you're right. I mean, you, you know, as a blacksmith, um, Lomeng's character would probably be wearing that sort of... Well, he, he wears leather. some variation of that and I think, like, a lot of the uh, the Venom movies, right? That, that I just call it, like, the brown leather jerkin. I don't know what it really is. Um, yeah, he does, especially the golden arm. That's pretty mm -hmm. much the same costume. And uh, yeah, so I'm at the scene now, and and Chen Quan Tai is dressed almost like Dracula. He's got like the like the black and red cape. Like, I uh, love that cape. Yeah. Uh, but but yeah, I, I thought I thought the outfits were quite interesting. That I, I think Gao Feng had the had the most interesting one because um, he was kind of like the Hulk character in this one. So they gave him the cape and. I, I forget what else he was wearing, but it was it was it was very sort of you know 
uh, sort of typical Cheng Che bare chest type thing. Um, there were a lot of bare chest in this movie. Oh yeah, the, the part the part of the training sequence, you know, when they were like meticulously take off their top before <laughs> doing whatever they were doing. Yeah, that's that's pretty standard with these films. Um, but uh, but there's but I don't know. There's like a there's a cool aesthetic too. Like the uh, and I, I kind of I, I agree with Lady Chow Fung about the capes. I like the like I like those really old sort of uh, mid '60s Wuxia films where the where the heroes have the capes on. Something about the capes mm-hmm. really work. And so this is kind of like an upgrade from from that. Like a, just a sort of a you know not now it's a little bit out of date, but at the time it was it was you know sort of the 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 height of wuxia fashion so um and did you think that took like inspiration from yeah superhero comics and such like i don't know i mean i i have no idea i don't know i, don't I mean know I, I, I i can't think of a of, of wuxia yeah series in general or books where they've been described wearing capes as a very common thing i mean it, it, it definitely does show up but not as often as these movies would have me believe i'd say mm. So I'm I'm just wondering if if they were thinking oh capes on heroes look cool. Well, I don't know. Maybe it comes from is it, it could also come from opera. I don't know. I I don't know where the the origin. Yeah, is. that's that's a good thing. Peking opera does have lots of uh, cape like things because they do sort of like part of the dancing is when they flutter the the capes around and yeah. lots of flourishes with that. Because I think the cape gives them the opportunity. For, it, number one, it creates like visual things you can do with it, but it also gives the the actor a little bit more presence it's kind of like a robe or it just it just sort of gives the cuts out their figure a little better so um but also maybe i mean they could be but for all i know yeah they, they might be pulling from superhero movies or they could be pulling from uh you know like robin hood or something. i don't know I, I don't know where it comes from uh you know i think i think the book on 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 textiles and wuxia films is yet to be written Unfortunately, <laughs> um, well, there's there's a niche if you uh, run out of wondering heroes with heroes. We can start yeah. from that. <laughs> we'll see. It's it's. Uh, I think it's above my pay. I I actually I studied history in college, but textiles were like my big weakness. Um, people that get into textiles get deep deep into them and get into you know. I have no my, my and my sister went to fashion school, but I have no real uh, <laughs> no real sense of it. I think I think I think Lady Chow Fung would be better for uh for the for the costume book than me um but uh but yeah so oh go ahead um you know speaking of sort of like the baking opera stuff i think there was like one scene in the movie which was very uh baking opera-ish when they were banging on the symbols and Mm -hmm. um uh what was the point yeah cheng sun was sort of like rolling around on the ground and they were all trying to like slash him with the sabers uh, I, I felt like that that whole scene was definitely very picking opera like. Well, even how like the banging on the gongs like matched kind of what he was doing, Jimmy. Like, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Establishing the rhythm of what he was doing. Um, yeah, they kind of they kind of use that ploy a lot, where because he's blind and he requires listening in order to find things, they they use the gongs, and later they get these big giant drums and start beating on them, and. Uh, and they did something kind of similar for Lo Meng's character, where they, uh, where they used like reflective discs to to, to blind him, um, so that he couldn't see anybody. Uh, I gotta say, this is like an example of like smart villains. I mean, they know that the hero's weakness, and they tried to exploit it. They didn't know their numbers, so they prepared what they could. And 
yeah, using the drums and the cymbals is perfect. I mean, given that, uh, yeah, other villains would probably just be a bit too um, uh, arrogant or, you know, too sure of themselves. But like, oh, we have enough men. We could kill these two people. Perfectly fine. No problem. But, you know, here they, they were, you know, they're doing whatever they could to get an advantage. You didn't know that these people aren't that simple. Well, they got smart towards the end because remember in the end scene, they um, shot the balls to turn out the lights which would have been fine for the deaf guy who could see, but it wasn't so good for the blind guy because then he was in his element. Yep. And the big, strong guy, uh, Cal, pointed that out to them. They didn't start out so bright, but they ended up smarter. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. he kind of came in and said, that's a stupid idea. You're just going to give this guy, you know, it's going to make everything perfect for him for a fight. So, so that let me the deal. element. And, yeah, then, and, then, the... and then he gets the iron foot in the chest, and that's, the, yeah. that's my, again, <laughs> because... one of my favorite scenes in the movie. Because <laughs> the heroes kept the iron foot a secret, so you've got this whole kind of thing back and forth there, them keeping some of their things secret, and the, the villains knowing some and reacting. Well, what I like about that scene is Gao Feng is like clearly like one of the more honorable, like just characters on the villains' team. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. So he's like, okay, you guys are crippled. I'm not going to just kill you. I'll be nice and I'll let you guys each take three shots at me. And if you knock me over, I'll, you know, they're never going to bother you again, you know. But but if you don't, then I'm going to, you know, give you some strikes. And so he was very fair. And they, they were kind of underhanded with him. They, they, they <laughs> like you said, they, they kept that, that iron leg a secret. And then, you know, they, they impaled him with it. And I just want to point out that they, even after killing him, they did not knock him down. So no, he stood up and died at the table. See, that's the other yeah. thing I love. That's what I love about that scene. He, the way he dies, he gets he gets impaled by the iron foot, and then he keeps fighting, and then he dies mid-stroke, like in the middle of the fight, because I guess he's lost enough blood or whatever. I don't know. You just, but it was a very unusual moment to die, and and yeah, and he just kind of stands dies standing place. at the table, yeah. and then yeah, I guess he's ke- he's keeping his promise that he, you know if, if they can knock him down, then uh, things will. <laughs> Things will, yeah, be forgiven and forgotten. But you know, they didn't knock him down, so shit's still going to keep going on. But yeah, that was that. I thought that was a good scene, and I thought he was an interesting, even though he only had like you know a brief moment before he died. They sort of but, introduce him and then kill him. Um, that brings me back to other Cheng Che movies where uh, the hero dies standing up as much as possible. Um, so he was more of a hero than technically the crippled people are at that moment when he dies standing up at the table. Yeah, but there it's... are other films where Cheng Che has his heroes die standing up. And I mean, they struggle to stand, but they do stand. No, I, I think that's a fair point. And, and even, even outside of Cheng Che movies, like dying like that is generally like reserved for important <clears throat> heroic characters. Um, like I think in, uh, what was it? 14 Amazons, they did something similar. And in, um, uh, eight diagram pole fighter, it's much later than this one, but, but that also sort of opens with a similar, similar thing. But, uh, but yeah, I think, uh, that's, uh, I, I think, I think his character was meant to be like a, a bit of a hero, uh, which again, makes you wonder why he's, you know, on such great terms with, uh, two tin toe, um, well, you know why? Because they're brothers. They're blood brothers. Yeah. So they're, they're Marshall brothers, aren't they? Because in, in, yes. in the dub, what they said was that he was the youngest 
um, disciple of his master, so they would be that would be his junior sort of brother type thing. Yeah, they did kind of make it clear that the uh, that that he was originally kind of a good guy. So it's like you know he's visited this guy after all these years. He's not entirely up on the fact that he's become this complete monster over time. So you could have that well, out again. Like what what else has uh, Black Tiger done to you know get him up as a monster other than crippling the four of them <laughs> i mean yeah besides that well sort of like declaring a mission like has he done anything else and 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 the four of them if they'd been willing to be less stubborn and take a step back instead of keep talking back to him maybe they would have been crippled right? you know they were, it is they a really were good kind point. of Lo- Lomung was really pushing his luck in that open like he was he, he was really sort of like they, they were trying not to even have to deal with him and yeah and he just wouldn't let up and then, and then, even after that scene ended, he's still talking about it, and the season won't shut up. <laughs> so. But I think they give the impression that um, Tin uh, Two Tin has been doing other bad things. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I got that. Um, a very strong. Well, to me, it was a strong impression that from the moment that his wife was killed to he dies, it was just one bad thing i mean he ruled this town pretty much with an iron fist and he wanted to take over all the martial clans and from what the um the master said that trained the um crippled avengers was that he was still continuing to do evil deeds even as the three years were going by they did have that intelligence too so i it wasn't just that he crippled those four. There were other no, and, and things I was that being, we didn't see behind the... I, I was being a little facetious when I was defending his, uh, his moral character. Like, I think, I think he's definitely a bad guy in this movie. Um, and even, even in the opening sequence when they, when they murder his family, they mention that he's too arrogant. So, so, so I feel like even at that point, the seeds of what's going on might have already begun. But, uh, but yeah... The, I, I get the impression that he's basically bullying the people in the town and and he's uh you know the, that his son is just kind of walking around crippling people that that just sort of because because it gets so casual at a point like what by the time he takes um soon chien's legs the all all he did was bump into him that was it he just bumped into him and the dad is like well what should we do and he's like well he, you know he bumped into me he's like well He's got, you know, he's, I forget what he said, but something about careless like, feet, careless feet. All right. I'm going to take off his feet. Like that's, that's a pretty, <laughs> that's a pretty uh, extreme thing to do to somebody for bumping into you. Um, that's, uh, you know, that's, uh, yeah, I, I feel and, like most of the evilness is probably as a result of his son and the father doting on this son. Like, I don't think the black tie game himself was a bad character. Like being arrogant, is not a crime. I think, <laughs> and people wanting to settle a score for being arrogant, it's just like, well, that's just Jiang Hu for you. That's the okay, martial world, okay. right? So you think this is all within the bounds of of, of yeah? The I, I think world. like Black okay. Tiger himself might, you know, perfect would have been perfectly fine as a sort of heroic character, but his son, because of his trauma and you know, and then yeah, he is living with a sort of uh, yeah, with a psychological trauma of having his arm chopped off and the feeling that everyone's mocking him type of thing that he's not a whole person um yeah that that's probably and maybe maybe there's a sort of gossip as well that sort of twisted him into like very vengeful person and the father you know he's lost his wife already and his son is all he has has left so he can't really you know 
discipline him too harshly so he, he tries what he does what he can you know and like, don't kill people killing people is bad if you cripple them that's fine you know? <laughs> but just try but i think that the son is only doing with what he thinks the father wants him to do. I think he thinks that the father is only proud of him because he's an excellent martial artist and he bullies the other people in the town showing off his skills. I I don't know. Something about that scene where they um, have the father drinking by himself and um, the son is in behind the curtain eavesdropping yeah. and the way that it's shot just gives me the sense that he's only doing it because of his dad. I don't, I think if there had been another positive influence, the son might not have turned out so bad, like if the mom but he's doing it. He might've, he might've. Yeah. Like, I, yeah, it's, it's a bit tragic for the whole family, I think, because, you know, yeah, it, it's probably an issue of, you know, martial artists being stoic, Black Tiger probably doesn't really, you know, praise his son a lot, and that's probably going to cause a lot of issues as he's growing up, maybe. <laughs> this would be a great mock trial. This would be a great mock trial if we sort of had, like, the defense and the prosecution for for uh, Tutinto. That would, uh, I think that would be a, a really enjoyable conversation. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I, I would definitely it's... defend the son, because I just think that his father can is the one who twisted him. I, I, but I would defend the father just because I think he, uh, because there is some of the whole communication breakdown there. Like the father and son not talking to each other. The son <laughs> thinks that the father has lots of expectations of him, and that the father is really proud of his son. And yeah, he doesn't want to stop him from advancing because I, I, you know. It... I will say that's the one thing that really makes me sympathetic to his character is the pride that he takes in his son overcoming the mm-hmm. uh, the maiming. And and basically saying, yeah, there are guys who aren't main, but they're not half as good as him. you know. He, he really does have a lot of pride in him. And those scenes where he's he's enjoy, where he's sort of soaking that up and 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 literally just sort of feasting is uh, I don't know something about those scenes really. They're very interesting. Um, yeah, you could you could go with an interesting reading of both Kenny and Dion both being right, where they're both kind of feeding on each other and leading each other down that path. Basically. Because the so. father is basically living now through his son. He doesn't even have to lift a finger because he's twisted his son so much to actually allow him to bully the people in the town and take over what he would have done. So he's older and sits back and watches his son do do it and then takes glee and pride in it. No, I think, but, but I think one way to look at it too, is that he's, he's helping his son reach these great heights from the, you know, he, from, from losing his hands to, to, to rising up. I, I do think he's a bad guy. I think he's meant to be a bad guy in this, but I think, uh, I think there's an interesting sort of, I don't know. There's like a gray area with this character that's a little bit interesting. Um, well, okay. So, so one thing about the the Avengers in this case, that when they left, the master said, "Don't kill unnecessarily," right, or mm-hmm. something along those lines. And um, basically, the first thing they do when they get there is like kill. <laughs> but that goes out the window right away. Like, uh, yeah. un- you know what? The key word is unnecessarily. That's when it gets. That's when it gets really <laughs> tricky to sort of apply that rule. And he did ask them to find out if the deeds were, if the stories were true, that he was doing all these bad deeds and then not to kill unnecessarily, which they you can take really it anyway. You want. <laughs> I, I didn't see a, an extended investigation of, of, of Tutinto's crimes in, in, 
in the version that I was watching, but it's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's possible they might they might have glossed over that. Um, like I, I feel like as a viewer, what, what I'm what I'm expected to do is, and I, I fully sympathize with with, with the, the the four cripples in this case, but at the same time, I, I feel like there's not really any definite like definite good guys or bad guys. It's just people taking revenge and you know and and trying to keep their honor, as it were, which could, which led some people down a very extreme path, but led some other people down a very vengeful and bloodshedding path. Well, and I guess if you wanted to add a piece of evidence to your case, you could point out how they just walk past their buddy's body on their way yeah. out. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, I don't know. It's it's it's, it's interesting conversation. I was definitely not expecting us to have a debate over 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 whether uh, who the good guys were in this one. So I think I think that's a an interesting conversation. Um, but I totally agree with Kenny. I just think that this. It's a tragic situation that started with a tragic event mm. that allows all the characters to be pitied in some sort of way, whether they were physically crippled, like five of the characters. Well, actually, four of the characters were cripp uh, crippled physically, but then you have um, two characters that were mentally crippled, one from you know the tragic loss of his wife and one was made an idiot through torture. But I think that they were all... Pitiful, pitiful in some sort of way. Yeah. I, so I, there really is. Oh, go ahead. So there really isn't a good character, bad character, just pathetic characters. Yeah, no, I, I, I definitely agree with that. I just think all the characters are very sympathetic in their own way, and it's just depending on which side you want to look at, and you, you can find plenty of arguments on on either <laughs> on, on, on on which side has more deserves more sympathy. <laughs> we, we are going to have to have a mock trial one of these days for, for these characters, and I, I I think I think Kenny needs to be the defense for uh, Tutinto. I think, uh, um, but uh, but yeah, I don't know. That's it, it, it was interesting this time watching it i really was thinking about that which was kind of you know but i was thinking of it more in terms of you know sort of like a, a mock sort of uh uh you know uh, like a youtube defense of tutinto where <laughs> where you're sort of just looking at it from his point of view and it just wants a birthday but but yeah i, th I think there's an argument to be made that you know initially when he appears in the movie we're, we're entirely sympathetic to what's going on to him and 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 in a way his character is just an example of somebody taking a virtue and turning it into a vice uh by by just committing too fully to it or something um because he's basically taking his love of his son and his effort to to turn his son you know into into like a into a complete you know hero again or, or uh you know that that sort of uh you know he sort of just takes that to the extreme um and and i have to wonder what would have happened if um if his son, because remember, his son said, you know, they, 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 they cut off my arms, but they didn't get me to bow or something like that. If his son hadn't been so stern in that moment, uh, what is what his response would have been, and if they would have gone down this long tragic road? Oh, like, I forgot about that as well. Yeah, that's a very good point. From when he was still a child, it's like that's a pretty. Stoic and staunch uh, child, there. Your <laughs> arms just got chopped off. You're bleeding wow. out, but you're like, Dad, are you proud? Because I didn't bow down to the enemies. <laughs> well, and, and his mom just died. He saw his mom killed before his eyes. I would have been bawling my eyes out at that. <laughs> you know? 
Um, I think it would have been worse for um, the son if he had cried. Yeah, I think Just... so too. I think so too. Because I think I think a lot of the pride he takes begins with that reaction that his son had, mm-hmm. and uh, and then he's like, okay, like I can work with that, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and and he and he does, and it all goes downhill from there. <laughs> so, but all right, we've we've been going on for an hour, so I'm gonna I'm gonna end it here, and uh, uh, I guess Lady Chow Fung will be away next week uh, at the at the Lu Fung event in New York, so. Uh, so I don't know if we'll be having a podcast on something else or if we'll be having a, um, a special podcast with Lady Chow Fung. I don't know what the situation will be, so we'll see. And, uh, and we'll, but we'll, uh, we'll be, uh, be back at some point with, with more movies probably the following week. And, uh, and, and me and Adam will be doing the, the, the Babylon 5. What are we, on season two now? Is season two our we next? We are on season yeah. two, yes. Okay. So we'll be doing Babylon 5 season two. And uh, I guess, uh, you know, Till then, we'll talk to you later.